Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. And I'm going to say this again, as I say every week, if you have questions, we want to hear them. Uh, we want to read them. We want to take some time every week at the end of our podcast to, to uh, answer those questions directly. Uh, and the way you get those questions to us is you can email them. If you still do the email thing uh, at infogrove.church, you can just shoot that as an email. Uh, we'll get it. We'll look at the questions and we'll prep to, to answer them in, in the upcoming week's podcast. Uh, the other way you can do it too is you, if you're jumping on the Facebook, you can jump on Facebook and look for the Grove Church in Washington State. We are the Grove Church. We have two campuses, Marysville and Snohomish. Uh, but you can go ahead and direct message us your questions on the Grove Church Facebook page. Uh, we will, again, overview those, look through them, and then answer them, set up and answer them in the coming weeks. So we'd love to have your questions sent in so we can continue to dialogue about those. So There you go. Uh, and as far as resources that we, we often cite that would be useful for today, uh, we have the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, um, and then also the Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates is uh, a very helpful book that, you know, just kind of gives a quick overview of the different Old Testament books. Yeah. So today we will be talking about Habakkuk, or as some of you might pronounce this, Habakkuk, but... Tomato, tomato. Yeah, that's weird. That's I like Habakkuk. What are you going to do? Uh, but Habakkuk... It depends on your upbringing. True. Uh, Habakkuk really was the epitome of a minor prophet, which yeah, which, which sounds kind of mean to say, but remember, you know, I, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, and Daniel are considered the major prophets. And then there's um, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, who are considered all of the minor prophets. Um, and mostly it's just because their books are smaller. It's not yeah, that they That's have, what it focuses on. Yeah. Not that they are ineffective or less effective. It has everything to do with the, the length of their books. But what is interesting with Habakkuk is he's not really mentioned anywhere else. Whereas no, not at all. in some of the other books, um, like you get with, I, I believe Isaiah references Zephaniah or Jeremiah, one of the two, I can't remember which one now, but Jeremiah's a major prophet anyways. Yeah. But you'll hear about like, or in the books of Kings and Chronicles, you hear about the mm -hmm. prophets and stuff like that. Habakkuk, we have the book yep. and that's pretty that's much the only place that we, uh, that we hear about him, but we do know a, a decent amount, not about him personally, but, um, because be, due to the nature of his prophecy, and we'll get to that here in a second. Um, we know that his ministry took place in Judah before the Babylonian exile. So uh, we don't know how soon before, but it was, it was pretty imminent. So yeah. I would guess he was a contemporary of Jeremiah uh, in, in that regard. And, and one unique aspect to the book is that unlike the other prophetic books, it's never actually address, it never addresses the people. So like when I, Isaiah, you'll say, thus says the Lord, and then it's God's word to the people of Judah, whereas Habakkuk is actually just a conversation between Habakkuk and God. That's the whole book. There's well, no... I never picked up on that. I'm an idiot. Oh, well, I, I mean, I didn't think I about... remember last time I read Habakkuk, just to be honest, but... Habakkuk was like... when I, I when I When I first started um, preaching, so this is like 10 years ago... Um, You're old. I just... Yeah, tell me about it. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I was, I'm a hipster when it comes to the Bible. And so it's like anyone can talk about suffering in Job. But how about Habakkuk? And so I like I, don't, I liked Habakkuk at the time, and I that's what I spoke on. So just which is really funny because right now you're like super into this Job, yeah, thing right now with you, the stuff you're doing on the side, like just for your own personal study and growth. You just preached on this, the, the whole idea of Job, and, uh, and here I was a young man in my youth just talking about Habakkuk. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, more on Job next episode. We'll talk about that, and uh, well, well I won't spoil it, but it'll, it'll, we have a fun episode in store next week. No spoilers. 
Uh, so there you go. And then as far as layout of the book, um, it really is kind of like a mini Job um, without any of the prose before or after. So if you just take the section of Job where Job complains and God answers, that's pretty, pretty much, much all. Yeah. yeah, that's all Habakkuk is. And as you'll see, the tone is it's very different. different. Yes. So I, I never thought of it being a mini Job before until you and I were talking about this book. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Let's hit it. Yeah, so it's yeah, the, it's, fun. it's, the, the, yeah, it's, it's the a two, good thought. It's a good perspective. It's the two books of the Bible where someone really says, God, why is this happening? And then God answers back. Um, so yeah, we'll just get into it. It's a, it's a good In book. vastly different ways. So <laughs> to, uh, uh, to get to the book, Aaron, if you want to read. Um, yeah, ver, uh, I'll read the verse, first chapter, verses two through four. Uh, of Habakkuk, and this is what it says, uh, words of Habakkuk. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. It's a very applicable passage to today, just saying. So, oh yeah. Anyways. It's always applicable to... And well, this it, one specifically, like, oh, I could see that being read in 2020. So. Yeah, that's true. I th there's um, there's a common theme. I'm put this on my wall in it, my house when I move in. <laughs> there's a common theme in all of the prophets that the the main condemnation of God towards Judah in particular is their hypocrisy. Because um, in a way, you could say the northern kingdom, towards the end, they're not really even being hypocrites anymore because they just blatantly are like, ah, forget God, we're worshiping. You know what <laughs> so I mean? True. Whereas in Judah, like they maintain like for the most part that they're worshiping God, um, but they go through periods of just complete um, ignoring of what God says. And then we know that towards the end of Judah before they are conquered by Babylon, that they're in, they're in this, they're in this season together. Like the Bible mm. clearly the commands like, Hey, widows, orphans, you should be taking care of them. And the people are just not doing it. Um, and, and it, you know, it's, it's other things like yeah. that. They're, they're offering sacrifices. They're going through the motion motions of religion, but they're not actually obeying the laws of God. So there you go. Uh, what's interesting about this, though, is again, like we talked about in Job, Job cries out for chapter after chapter until God finally responds. Um, next verse, God responds. And he says uh, in Habakkuk 1, verses 5 through 11, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Quick pause here. Um, I see this on coffee mugs. It's not like the most popular coffee mug verse, but I always think it's really funny because you just see, um, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if you were told. And it's always like- I've never seen that on a coffee I've mug. Never, dude, I've seen it a few times, like on shirts and stuff like that. So- Who are you shopping? Etsy? I'm telling you. I, I might've been on Etsy. I don't know. My point is- <laughs> I've never seen it it's on a not as famous. It's not as famous as like Jeremiah 29, 11 or anything like that. Yeah, right. But it's, it's, it is one of those that I see. And I always think it's funny every time because- the tone of what is actually coming is not what, like people use that to say like, like God is just going to do something wonderful in your life and you wouldn't believe it if you were told. And what God's actually talking about here is, we'll talk about it in verse six. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, like an eagle, swift to devour. They come. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. 
they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, they, for they pile up the earth and take it. Then they sweep by the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. And so Habakkuk's like, God, like how long? Are you going to let the people of Judah get away with this hypocrisy and the violence? And God is like, Habakkuk, like, listen. And they, I got you, bro. Listen. And it's the exact opposite of Job, where God's yeah. not like laying into Habakkuk. He's like, Habakkuk, I know, I know. Come here. Listen, let me yeah. tell you. Puts his arm around his little son. He's like, let me explain to you what's going on. Let me explain, Habakkuk. The Babylonians are going to come and they're going to conquer and kill a lot of people. And Habakkuk's like, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, that's literally like, wait, the, it's so weird because that's the tone is like, the tone of God is super friendly and understanding to Habakkuk, but then what he's actually saying is like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, this I always is suck. I always think the disconnect there is is really funny. Um, but yeah, God tells Habakkuk essentially what the plan is. Yeah, that, right away. Like, hey, listen, I'm done. I I mean, you're done too. I'm gonna let the Babylonians come in. Let the Chaldeans come in. They're gonna conquer, and then things will be set right. It's after interesting that. because I think the two different. Because we're looking at how God responds, right? Um, that's part of the, the the tension that even as we talked before this recording, um, and it's it's interesting how Habakkuk's issue or questioning or crying out to God is society related. It's 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 people related. Job's issue is personal. True. And and it's interesting because like God's responses are different. And it's funny because like on one side I'm like whenever I. Whenever I, I talk to God or whatever, I'm like, Lord, just answer me quickly like Habakkuk. That's my first thought. And I was like, God, I just want you to answer quickly. Um, but sometimes it's in that struggle and it's in that process of, of silence that we feel God speaking to. Um, so it's just an interesting thought that as I was like, well, the, the context was different, but, you know, God responds differently to every situation, context, circumstance, but um, just definitely interesting. For no, sure. that's, a, that's a great point. Um, and then the the rest of chapter one and chapter also I should I should say Habakkuk is a really short book it's mm -hmm. only three chapters you can read through it really quickly if you wanted to um, but for the rest of chapter one and into chapter two it's really just Habakkuk wondering why God would use a nation as wicked as Babylon hmm. to punish Judah yep. um, and essentially I, I, you know this is this is very much paraphrasing but like wait hold on like you you know who they are like the Chaldeans the Babylonians like they're they're really bad people yeah, bad God. People. I think God's like, yeah, I know, I know. I'm just gonna use them, but but God, uh, you know, like, yep, um, I understand. But what's really interesting is God's reply is essentially that He knows they're evil and He's gonna use them for His purposes, and that it's Habakkuk's place to trust in Him mm -hmm. that He will judge rightly when it's all said and done. Um, and the Babylonians don't Dude, have that sentence in and of itself, man. That's that's yeah. gold. That's the, like that's for you and I today. <laughs> like as I. Well, we we're talking in the hallway a little bit about just the political spectrum in the world we're in right now. Oh, yeah. Um, but it totally is this conversation of like at the end of the day, our hope and our trust is in God alone. That's where it should be. Not mm -hmm. in a government, not in a, you know, president or a governor or Washington state. You know, that our, our 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 world is we're we're seeing COVID hit hard and um but at the end of the day, our hope and trust is in, in Christ alone. It's in God alone. Mm -hmm. And and we have to remember that because it's so easy to put in something else, someone else. Um, our, our ultimate hope as Christians should not be so weak that it, it is easily changed based off of who is the president or who is the governor. Like yep, it should be, it should be rooted in something or a lot deeper. Or you know, yeah. city councils or whatever. Well, city can't like, let's be honest, let's get, <laughs> let's vote that guy out of here. So I'm just kidding. I like our city council. Uh, but anyway, 
sound this weird. Yeah, local, so everyone's like, wait, what are you talking about? Nothing. Lo, here's the deal. Washington State is definitely kind of a crazy place right now. Um, but I think our world, our, our country is in a political craziness. The mayor um, and the city council of the city of Marysville brought a Chick-fil-A to us. And for that, they have my vote for... For a long time, Listen, the mayor, uh, we, Marysville. Well, I think we're fortunate. We've got we've got some good some good leaders right now. So, uh, so anyways, moving uh, moving on forward. So yeah, that's essentially God's response, and, and his other response is that he he knows. So yeah. he answers back Habakkuk, and he says like, "Hey, I know that the Chaldeans are bad," and he actually says that he's going to be judging them too. So mm -hmm. the the fact that he's using the Chaldeans as a judgment tool against Judah does not mean that they themselves will yeah. not one day one day be judged. Well, I just love the picture of like using evil for his glory. Like at the end of the day, like yeah. God's using someone that he knows full well is is not something someone to boast in is not something to celebrate or it's not it's not like well they're bad so it's okay like no it's they're bad they're gonna get they're they're gonna get theirs it's coming mm -hmm. but i'm gonna use them because my my will my 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 glory is is what's more important i i will i'm sovereign i can use anything right. i want and that's an idea that goes back to genesis mm -hmm. with joseph you know Absolutely. what you intended for evil god used for good yeah so it's so, um it's yeah. it's almost like god is sovereign what? <laughs> that's that's crazy. What is that? But no. Um, so moving forward, like we're we're kind of blowing through this book pretty fast, but it's it is. I mean, it is a short book. It's just some it's some poetry, mm -hmm. and it's it's really good. That doesn't mean that it's not a it's not a great. And book, I think it's but... an easy book to relate to as as a follower of Christ today. Right. It's an easy book to sit there and just like, oh yeah, I totally feel that. Like even the opening verses that I've already read, like or I read earlier, like yeah, I can totally feel that. I can totally see that something that. You know, in the world today, I could cry out to God and say, "How long, Lord?" Right. Um, and and to, to wrestle with God's response, I think, is really, really important today, uh, because at the end of it all, it's, it's again, I, just to be a broken record, like God is sovereign, God is in control, He uses everything for His glory and His glory alone, and He's trustworthy. We can trust Him, mm -hmm. no matter what comes our way, um, no matter what you know the the the, the world holds moving forward or or, or happens. So. Um, but it is a book that I think is worth wrestling through uh, as followers of Christ to to heed what God says and reveals to Habakkuk mm -hmm. in this in this book. So the conversation between Habakkuk and God, very simple. So he essentially starts off with, God, how long are you going to let this go on? God answers back, not very long. Here's what I'm going to do. And then Habakkuk says, God, how can you use them to do this? And then God basically says, you need to trust me. I'm going to judge them too. And that's it for the conversation between God yep. and Habakkuk. Um, and then in chapter three, we get kind of this final closing prayer. Um, so I want to read a couple sections of it because one of them stood out to me. Um, and again, it's kind of an inverse of Job a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if you remember in Job, the, the tail end of Job, when God answers back, it's just a bunch of questions that are about the glory of God as revealed in creation. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know the, where, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? All, all of those, all of those questions. Um, he goes on about horses for a while and how like... It is, it. it is kind of funny that like God has favorites when it comes to creation. Cause he never, like he's talking about all these different animals and he's like, and the horse. And then he just talks about the horse for a Have while. Have you seen the horse? And the I've horse, seen. I mean, all, all things considered, the horse is a pretty cool animal. <laughs> that thing, I mean, that thing is rad. And you know, we have the horse to thank for a lot of being able to build human civilization. So yep. th thank you God for horses. Um, that was a weird aside, but here is in Habakkuk chapter three. Verses three through nine, you'll kind of see how this, uh, it fits in a little bit with that. And this is Habakkuk's prayer in response to God. Uh, it says, God came from, uh, from Temen and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah, 
which just means sit and ponder. His splendor covered up the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him was pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth and he looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath, was your anger against the rivers and your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation, you stripped from the, uh, from the sheath your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. And it goes on for a little bit, but it is kind of interesting, just the tonal the tonal way which this connects with Job, where instead of God talking about his own glory and creation, yeah, it's Habakkuk. So his heart is changed after this conversation with God and he declares God's glory yeah. in creation. So yeah, that's kind of rad. Just a fun, a fun little thing. And then finally the book of Habakkuk ends uh with this little the tail end of his prayer, which I think is just I think it's really powerful. So we'll we'll get here in a second, but it says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So all this is language of famine. All of this is language of, you know, there's no more food. This is a really hard time. And then in verse 18, he says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the on my high places. And then says to the choir master with stringed instruments. So, you know, just, just in case you were wondering how Habakkuk wanted this, wanted this read and played. Cue music. It's like, listen, I'm going to need some stringed instruments. It's like the, the pastor who's landing a sermon, a Sunday morning message, and has the worship leader come up a little bit earlier than normal to play as he's kind of close. I mean, if, out. can people even get saved if there's no piano music underneath the end of a message? I don't I, know. That seems, that seems, I don't know how it they did depends. it beforehand. Um, but yeah, so all, all things being said, I think... It's just such a beautiful picture um, because all those yeah. pictures of famine, they're going to come true. Um, the Babylonians <laughs> so are going to come. Thousands of people are going to be ripped away from their homes. They're going to have to be in Babylon. They're going to have to be in Persia. They're going to have to be subjugated. Um, it's it's going to be generations before um, Ezekiel and Nehemiah, I spaced on his name for a second, come back um, and begin to start rebuilding. Yeah. Is Ezekiel the right? Yeah. Ezekiel? Who am I thinking of? Is that who's the high priest? It's Ezra. Ezra, holy cow! Yeah, Ezekiel's a prophet. He's a major prophet. There we go. Ezra. That's who I was thinking of. What, I was you like, knew? I know. I was like, I had his. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, anyway, Nehemiah and Ezra. It's going to be generations before they come back. It's going to be this really hard time, and I, I love that Habakkuk here says, "Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation." And so, in a way, he's he's really prepping Judah for for what's going to come. Yeah, and yeah, it, it reminds me of um. I love the old hymn, It, it Is Well. It yeah. just kind of reminds me of that as well, which I think is, I think it's one of the more powerful songs. That's the one that was written with the guy in the boat going back over to Europe, right? Right. So his, and yeah, his, his... His daughters, his wife, or I guess his, he sent his wife and his daughters back to, to London or England or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they all died except his wife through some shipwreck or something like that. Yep. And he, she, he gets notice of that, makes his way back. And as he's coming over the point where his d- daughters were lost... He writes the song in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when sea like what sea like I don't remember this. When uh, when peace like a river attendeth with me, uh, 
attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to say it as well as well with my soul. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is funny how like these, this little verse applies to this ancient people who are awaiting to be conquered. Yeah. And it also applies to us today yeah. that, um, I mean, it's funny because it's one of those statements that I like, I would rather see that on a, a coffee mug. <laughs> like I would rather see yeah. that on a t-shirt. And it, and it is one of those things I, I've been reading some different things about like psychology and things like that. And one of the, the things that I was, you know, processing is like, what's, what's my, oh, well statement, like in the midst of things that are not going the way I want them to, what's my, oh, well statement, like, you know, you know, COVID has shut down, you know, everything. Oh, well, I'm still going to fill in the blank. Um, to where it doesn't, it doesn't make light of a situation, but it puts the situation in context of a much bigger picture. And it is like that pic, the verse there, verse 18, it says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That, that verse is coming in the context of the impending destruction. Like as yep. the world is falling apart, the world that I know is no longer going to exist, but I'm choosing in light of that to then rejoice in the Lord. And, and how powerful of a truth is that? Like Habakkuk in his, in his, you know, statement of and declaration so to speak his oh well right. is like it, no come what may i'm gonna rejoice in the lord um it reminds me of my my older sister's wedding years ago um they they had a song called yet i will praise him that was sung in in their wedding but it literally was this picture like in the good times and in the bad yet i will praise him i will it's, it's a declaration that no matter what comes i'm choosing to praise the lord and it's the same thing habakkuk is saying yet i will rejoice in the lord and how how timely is that i think how powerful is that? How truth-filled is that? That for us today, that's got to be our declaration, no matter what happens, no matter what. And I don't know circumstances, like, mm -hmm. you know, to be pastor for a second, like uh, you could be listening to the podcast and be like, man, my life is fall kind of falling apart. But it's this moment of like in the midst of it falling apart, God, I'm still going to choose to rejoice in you because you're enough. And and I think that that powerful confession is what draws the, the deep strength and the deep rootedness of our faith and our trust in a God who is sovereign, who is in control, who uses evil for his glory. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, that's a challenge we all need to be walking in. So yeah, I that's, think that's my pastoral preaching moment. No, yeah. Day. We're, we're in a, we're in a moment right now where I would say like just society as a whole, like mm -hmm. forget, forgetting individual um, circumstances for a moment, but man, like we're just in a, we're in a rough spot. Yeah. Like there's hard conversations that are happening right now. Um, obviously like with the pandemic going on, like a bunch of people are isolated. A bunch of people are completely lacking community that they would normally have. Like there's, there's a bunch of mitigating factors. Um, and I think it's important. I don't think it's an accident that in verse 18, it says, I will take joy in the God of my yeah, salvation. It's true. So it, it's not just the fact that I will rejoice in the Lord. It's I'm rejoicing in the God who saves me. And that no matter what happens right now, no matter what happens in your personal life, no matter what happens um, with the country or the world, like all these different things that are happening, no, no matter what goes on, we can take joy in the fact that our salvation comes from our relationship with Christ and, yeah. and nothing else. And yeah. you know, we can say, um, to, to bring it back, like it is well with my soul. Yeah. So... And it's not to minimize, and I want to say this very clearly, but also carefully, it's not to be insensitive to the current circumstances from the political to the social justice to the, you know, the pandemic and so many things, so many different things are hitting us right now. But I think it's it's right to say those things should be minim, minimized in comparison to the sovereignty of God. And that's what Habakkuk was saying. I will rejoice in the Lord, the God, I would take joy in the God of my salvation. It's not saying circumstances and issues and 
socioeconomic realities and so many other things that we're facing today in our society, in our world, it's not to say that those are, are, are nothing. Right. Those are big deals. But in, in comparison, in the shadow of the Almighty, in the shadow of God, the Creator, the sovereign, powerful being and person that He is, those things are minimal because of His sovereignty, how vast and how big He is. For us, they're still big deals and there's still a lot of work that has to be done in the world we live in. But when we stop for a moment like Habakkuk and look to the, to, to the sovereignty of God, those things become minimal. Those things become smaller because of how vast and how great and how good our God is. Uh, and so I say it really carefully, not to be insensitive, but to the, the, those realities become appropriately small because of how vast and how big God is. Right. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So as, I don't want to be insensitive at all, but I just that, that, just to make sure that that makes sense. Yeah. As, as Christians, our ultimate hope is in God. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and our, our ultimate hope should not be in things that um, that man can give or take away. because. Yeah. Oh, so true. things are given and taken away all the time, but our salvation with God is only he controls that. Yep. So um, that's going to wrap it up with our uh, discussion on Habakkuk today. We are going to do uh, one question that Habakkuk. came in. So we actually, we actually have a little bit of a backlog now. So thanks for sending in questions, everybody. Yeah, um, good work. But, Keep it up. So we'll, we'll be burning through those a little bit here, but as always, if you have more questions, let us know. Um, and also do us a favor, leave us a five-star review on whatever app you're listening on. Uh, it just helps get the podcast out there to more people continue to grow the community. Um, and it is really fun. That is the, re- the reason why we ask, not because we care about our own egos, but it's we, true. Just, we just want to continue to expand the community of people that are reading the Bible together and having good discussion around it. So yeah, and hope like it, love it, give us five stars so that other people can be a part of it too. Yeah, hopefully this podcast has helped you. <laughs> yeah, for and sure. share it with your friends. Uh, okay, so the question that came in, I believe the reading of 1 Corinthians 11 should be cont- contextualized based on society norms in Corinth at the time. However, it is easy to see how it is read differently. How should Christians respond to the accusation of sexism and gender bias? All right, so... Heavy question. Jump cool. in. Cannonball, here we go. <laughs> this is a fun one. Okay, so First Corinthians uh, 11, to just to kind of read a little bit of it here. Uh, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered uh, dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair uh, or to shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man not ought to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the but woman is the glory of man. For man is not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for a uh, woman, but woman for man." That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, the Lord, uh, in the Lord, the woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. All things are from God. Paul, could you be any more clear? Man, so that is like, so I, I, it, does, it does bring me back to um, one of my favorite par- passages of the Bible where Peter, this is paraphrasing, but Peter says like, hey, I heard you guys have been reading the letters of Paul. Boy, those are complicated. Yeah, so, right? like, Paul is notoriously it's it's really dense, um, and it's he makes allusions to things that oh man, he's so complex are um that are lost to us today a lot of the times mm-hmm. where we just kind of have to infer from what he's saying or yeah infer from what he's saying. I I, I got a friend who is just brilliant, and I, and I think that's the issue. Paul is such a smart individual. He's so intelligent, um, but sometimes these individuals who are just brilliant for me. I get lost in all of their their verbs and all their words and the sentences and the the, the tying all sort like I just get confused and lost. I'm like I'm right. I'm I'm a fifth grader, 
help me out. <laughs> so, so there's when I read Paul, I feel that same way. So there's yeah. So there's there's two main themes I guess to kind of talk about with this. Um, the one question that comes up, and we'll start with this one because it's it's really weird. I'm gonna prep you guys, but um, it's a question that comes up just because like okay, so what's the deal with the head coverings thing? Because that's nowhere else in yeah. the Bible. <laughs> like it's just kind of this. It's just randomly kind of brought up here. Um, so an important thing, and we we answered this on a Q and A episode a, a long time ago. Yeah, um, year plus ago. Yeah, so over a year ago. I I went back to try and find the notes, and I can't find them. So I figured if I can't find the notes, I, I'll just answer. We'll just talk about it again a little bit. Um, but the the head covering conversation is kind of it, it's a little bit akin to um when we when we take the Bible from its ancient context to today we should never change the underlying message. Mm-hmm. But there are things that naturally change. And so here's what I mean by that. When Jesus said, um, and when you fast, uh, don't make, I forgot paraphrasing, but basically, you know, don't make yourself out to be um, like you're fasting, but rather anoint your head with oil and, and kind of go out and do your thing. So if we took that passage and did no interpretation into the modern context, what we would say is that whenever I am fasting, I need to anoint my head with oil. Um, well, we're not supposed to do that. So, but yeah, and that's the point, right? Because the heart of that passage is essentially saying, don't make a huge deal about the fact that you're fasting, but rather go about your life normally, dress normally, groom yourself normally. Um, so as not to draw attention yeah, to yourself. don't walk around all somber and oh, I'm so hungry. Exactly. I don't, um, you're not to draw attention to yourself. Act like everything is normal, which is a weird way to say it, but so it is everything is okay. Yeah. It's a weird paradox. But today, if I anointed my head with oil when I was fasting, that weird. actually, that would draw attention to myself because mm-hmm. I would look different. And yeah, so- Why are you so glistening? Um, and so I hope that makes sense in the sense of there's an underlying- spiritual thought that God is trying to show. But obviously as cultures change, there are certain ways that we can fulfill that thought. Mm -hmm. So with the head coverings, here's what I'm getting at. Um, I don't remember his name because it was, I think it actually was Hippocrates, but it was one of the ancient Greek um, doctors who, and this is like the start of medical science, quote unquote, because as you will see, it gets really weird. Um, But the theory was that hair length was related to, um, to reproduction. And so that uh, men would have shorter hair because the idea was that hair was like a suction. And so it would suck things up. And so as a guy, you would keep your hair shorter to kind of flush things down for for reproductive purposes. Um, And as a woman, you would keep your hair longer to suck things up again for reproductive purposes. Um, and we're speaking so, a little ambiguously on purpose because we don't know the entire audience of who's listening. Yeah, if you got your kids, we're keeping it. We're we're keeping it PG, hopefully. Um, but and all and also like again, this is really weird because we don't believe any of this today. Yeah. But it's important to think about because again, this is the medical context of the time yeah. in which the New Testament is written. Um, so because of that, um, hair was often considered, particularly with women, to be part of genitalia. Um, and so just as much as the chest and the lower regions, the hair was considered to be part of mm-hmm. reproduction. And so because of that, in certain cultures, it was considered improper for women to, um, for women to display their hair in public like or that. Or cut it. Yeah, or cut it. So that's kind of the whole idea. So to bring the head coverings conversation into today, and again, we talk about open-handed, close-handed issues. This issue is so open-handed, you could blow, like, <laughs> you could, you could it, instantly. It's almost like 
open-handed with an upside-down hand. Like right. it's, it's almost one of those things where it's like, well, but, I could I could but, be so easily convinced. But the principle convinced. still applies. Like the the truth, the underlying truth in all of this still is, is very relevant for us today. Yeah. So to bring this into a modern context, the way I would translate this is that as men and women in the church, it is um, one of the things that we should strive to do is to dress modestly and not in a way that draws attention to ourselves. And I think that goes for men and women, because when Paul is saying men do this and women do this, that's essentially what he's saying as Mm -hmm. well, is don't draw attention to yourselves in that way. So um, that's basically where it's at. You know, like be paying attention to um, what you communicate, the way you're dressed, like even from like a guy's perspective, like I'm not super ripped, so I don't really have, I don't struggle with it as it were. But you know, if I was super ripped, maybe like, you know, not the tight sheet, not the tight t-shirts with the deep V or whatever it is. Like it's just basically... um, if we're there for worship and for community, the way that we act and the way that we carry ourselves should also communicate that, yes. that we're not there to glorify ourselves. We're there to glorify God. And so, how easy it is to deceive ourselves, just to be honest. Yep. If, if I, I work because I feel good, I look good. But the reality is I'm, I'm feeding a vain, you know, vain perspective and a vain ego that I need to feel affirmed and, 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 and good enough in that regard. So mm-hmm. um, the motivation is a big deal in that conversation too. So, And you just got to ask God, search me and show me. There you go. So, yeah. Um, okay. So the second part of this is uh, possibly the more controversial part, but yeah. I think, I think it's, I don't think it's as controversial as people make it out to be. Um, I, I would say that biblically, the way that God desires the family to be structured is that there is... Um, well, God designed it to be. Yeah. The, the way that God designed it to be structured is that there's a father who sacrificially loves and leads his wife and loves and leads his children mm-hmm. towards deeper relationship with God. And, th- and that is the role as, as, as men, that is what we should aspire to. And I say we just because, I mean, men are both guys. So yeah. like, I was kind of talking to uh, us right now and also to all the listeners. But yeah. um, for me, as, as right now, just a husband, not a father, my goal we should- cats, bro. And yeah, I'm not going to call that- You're a cat dad. Don't even. Um, <laughs> totally just kidding. But I, don't, like, I don't like cats. <laughs> Yeah, but but my my goal right now, um, as a husband, should be to know know the needs of my wife, to to love her, and to lead our family, mm-hmm. not the cats because they're not a part of it, um, towards deeper relationship with God. Yeah, amen. And then with with Aaron, that that takes on a whole nother context because you have three kids. Yep. And so you're not just leading a small family unit; you're leading your children as well. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a family unit that fits in a van now. We have a van. I, oh, I forgot you got the minivan. I'm a little sad about that. Guys, I, a, I always grew up saying I'd never buy one. But I'll be honest with you, it's actually kind of fun to drive. It's a so, nice, guys, it's a nice minivan. It's a red van. It's so. no, it's no beater minivan. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, even, even to take it back to the thought for a second, I think that there is, you know, there's a very strong distinguishment right now, just to be honest, between a biblical worldview and a biblical perspective and a cultural perspective. The culture we're living in right now is broken and um, decimated by sin. It's not it's not the the fault of an individual it's it's the fact that sin is so rampant in our society that it, the biblical design and desire of god in creating marriage and family and that whole unit is is now sin has attacked it and destroyed it and so it, we got to be careful to put pressure on ourselves cuz here's the other thing too if i'm being honest with you i don't ever feel capable or qualified to lead my family spiritually to lead my wife, let alone lead myself spiritually for crying out loud. Um, but the, the end of the day, and I love it because I, again, verse one or the very first verse in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The whole, the whole way that we accomplish 
this perspective as a Christian and as a man, because I'll speak specifically to men because I can't speak on behalf of women because I don't understand you. <laughs> um, that's a sarcastic joke. Sorry. Um, but there's such a, a diversity in that regard. Um, but it's the whole goal is to be an imitator of Christ. Am I following Jesus first so I can effectively lead my spouse? So I first even beyond that, lead myself to be able to lead my spouse, serve my spouse, love my spouse, let alone my kids. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I fail miserably all the time. And I get caught in agendas. I get caught in schedules. I get caught in things. And so part of the tension here is the, the, the household biblically was designed and created to reflect and model a loving father who gave up everything for his children who gave up everything for his bride, which is the church. As a man, this is my 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 mantle to carry. This is my, obli- not, not my obligation. This is my responsibility to be a follower of Christ first, but to give up everything, to lay my life down for my bride, to sacrifice, to serve, to love my family as Christ has done and modeled for us in, in, in the response to what God has originally created. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's that biblical perspective and understanding. And, and I, I mean, all the time in marriages when I'm performing a ceremony and there's premarital counseling, one of the things that I hit as hard as I possibly can, even in the ceremony, there's a, there's a message portion to get you into behind the veil a little bit for the template. There's always a message portion of something, but and I always hit the simple fact that as a husband, your job is more, uh, there's more required of you as a husband than there is of the, of the wife. And it's not to try and make it equality and all those things. It's because our job as a husband is is, is far greater to lay down our lives and serve willingly um, in a mutual submission reality. But the husband carries the weight of it, and so that's the biblical design. That's the biblical, di- di- you know, divine created order that God has established. Yeah. And so, so that that sets up the the kind of the I guess the response to the rest of the question there. And it, it does just touch on I think for every culture um, since the canon of scripture was completed. There's been passages that have been difficult. Mm -hmm. And so I think with us today, like, you know, we read don't murder. Okay. We're all pretty much on board with that. Like that's, that checks out, like that's not a difficult passage as a culture, but then there are passages like this where it's like, you really do have to spend a lot of time and you have to think through, okay, well, what, what do I believe? What is God saying? What are things that, that I believe that are, that are right? Um, as far as like my conscience before God. And then what are things that maybe I believe just because of the culture that I'm in that mm-hmm. I need to re I need to relook at. Yeah. And so I'll say that this is one of those uh, passages. And also this isn't the only passage that addresses yeah, Ephesians 5, 22. Yeah. There's hits hard. Galatians, I believe is the other one that hits hard about marriage and yeah. So if and wife stuff. I would say like to get a full biblical view of marriage, make sure you're looking at all of scripture, what it's saying about mess, uh, marriage, not just like one passage that's yeah. very difficult. Um, and the theme really throughout all the scripture on marriage is this, like you said, it's of mutual submission. Yeah. It's that um, um, like as a husband, your body no longer belongs to you. It belongs to your wife. And mm-hmm. then as a wife, your body no longer belongs to you. It belongs to your husband. It's this idea of you now the two truly become one and and together you're running towards yeah. relationship with Christ. And that's- And Christ even says, love your wife as you love yourself. Yeah. Like it's as a husband, like there's, so that's why I'm saying there's so much to it. Um, and maybe maybe future conversations will actually get on the topic of marriage a little bit, but um, but I also know we've done a series on it, so yeah, there's just definitely so much depth and and and, and truth to it. So so 
There you go. We will uh, wrap it up there for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, We're a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. Uh, You can find all of our other websites, all of our other podcasts and resources on our website at grove.church. Have a great day.